didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have made it to season four. And now we are on chapter five, The Nina Project. And Colin is here with your summary. The fifth chapter of Stranger Things 4, titled The Nina Project, debuted on Netflix on May 27th, 2022. It was written by Kate Treefry and directed by Nimrod Antal and has a runtime of 1 hour, 16 minutes, and 33 seconds. We begin in the twilight hours of Monday evening, March 24th, 1986, with Will, Mike, Jonathan Argyle, and a mortally wounded Agent Harmon careening through the desert. As Harmon dies, he hands Jonathan a pen, saying, here's Owens' number. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Sullivan and his goon squad are still on the hunt for Elle and find the note she left for Mike. Sullivan asks the wounded Agent Wallace where she is. Twelve hours earlier, on Monday morning, Owens and Elle arrive at the Nina Project bunker, where we're all reunited with Dr. Brenner. Elle runs away but gets a shot in the neck and is sedated. Over in Kamchatka, the recaptured Hopper is whacked around and tossed in a cell with Enzo as Yuri ties up Murray and Joyce and tosses them on a plane bound for Russia. While Eddie subsists on SpaghettiOs at Reefer Ricks, our heroes are all at the Wheelers, where Max is drawing the Creel House with Holly's crayons. In the Nina Project bunker, Elle is working to get her powers back by floating in a souped-up tank. She remembers a friendly orderly, but then starts freaking out when she can't escape the Rainbow Room. Out in the desert, the Cali crew are burying Harmon's body when Mike figures out Owens' phone number must be in the pen. They find a phone booth and call the number, but it's a computer, so realizing they need a hacker, they set out for Utah to find Susie. Back in the Russian prison, Hopper tells Enzo all about his past, including mixing up Agent Orange and how his fellow soldiers got all kinds of health issues from it. He talks about how Sarah got sick and died, and finally comes to the realization that he's not cursed, he is the curse. The FBI arrives at Uncle Wayne's house, sees the crack on the ceiling, and tells them that they're moving him. While at Chrissy's funeral, Patrick sees Vecna's clock. Afterward, Jason and his buddies decide to look for Eddie at Reefer Rick's. In the skies above Russia, Joyce and Murray get out of their ropes so Murray can attack Yuri with his sweet karate moves. He eventually knocks Yuri out and, without a pilot anymore, they crash land in the forest. The Scoops troop arrives at the Creel house to investigate. Steve finds a spider and the whole gang wind up eventually in the attic, where, in the upside down, Vecna is hooked up to his charging station. Turns out he's hunting him some Patrick, who, with Jason, has found Eddie trying to escape across Lover's Lake in a boat. Just as they reach Eddie, Patrick is Vecnified. Back at the lab, Elle's test continues, and she remembers the light ring thing she did for a little piece of saltwater taffy. She sees blood on her hands and freaks out again. Later, Brenner and Owens have pulled her out to revive her. She whacks Brenner and runs off. Some MPs catch her, but she force blows them away and realizes she is slowly getting her powers back. She calls him Papa, and they head back in. The end of Chapter 5. We just talk about how ridiculous it is that the gift was one piece of saltwater taffy <laughs> i did i had that written down holly said the same thing she's like what that's saltwater taffy isn't it yeah and they're so ridiculous like i feel so bad for them i know right because they're like me 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 i want taffy i know okay things homework yes let's do your homework before we get into it i, I i'm torn on how you're gonna do this week i don't know okay all right are you ready for your homework i'm ready you're late again. Yeah, I had to get catch-up homework. Number one. 
What number is on the back end of Yuri's plane? I looked at it and I, I, I literally looked at it because I know it says CCCP back there. Uh-huh. Are you talking like the, the airline number, like the N165139, whatever number? Or are you talking Mm-mm. about, it also There's says like, it says like not, A2 or something like that. That's at the front. But oh, then okay. on the back end, there's a five digit number that follows the CCP or yeah, whatever. I'm not, oh, not going to get that. It's 42641. Uh, see, I would have guessed 42640. So, yeah. Oh, so yeah. close. <laughs> okay. Number two, what's the phone number the agent gives Mike to call? The 202-968-6161 number, that one? Yes, yes, yes. correct. Yeah. All right, number three, what's the name of the piano manufacturer shown in the Krill house on the piano? It's it's close to Kruger. It's because of because of Freddy Kruger. It's like, it's Kroger. That's like C-K-R-O-E-G-E-R, like, or is it pronounced Kruger or is it U-E? Yeah. Is it, it's, I mean, it's K-R, it's K-R-U-G-E-R. Okay. I thought it was, I thought or it was that's how I saw it, but yes, yeah. close. But, you yeah. got it. Yeah. Okay. Number four, can you list any three of the places on Jason's list that they were searching for Eddie? Well, we, we'll get to him, but um, there's a name on there, Paul Cook. And then it says the AV closet at the elementary, which <laughs> they're going to go, they're going to go randomly look at the AV closet. Like why just the closet? <laughs> yeah. Um, those are the ones that I had written down. What, what else? other places that they, they would be i mean i don't know i mean there was there were there was a lot of i'll stuff give you a there. hint on one of them okay it's been mentioned before as some place people go in the town of hawkins it's like one of their stores oh oh um oh uh thatcher tires is on there correct that's right. not what i was thinking of but yeah, yeah i didn't thatcher, think you'd get yeah, that because i looked that up for a second to see if yes, there was anything but it was there was also Bradley's big buy. Oh, right. That was at the top. Yeah. It's yep. a big buy. Yep. Yeah. Good job. All right. Okay. Number five, which number does Dr. Britter ask to get the door for him? Not 11, not two, probably not 10, not eight. Boy, I don't know. I would just be a guess. I don't really have any. Well, it's funny because there is another scene where 11 and I, I thought it was the same scene. They played it back, but maybe I'm wrong. But he asks number 12 okay. in this one, which blows a lot of theories out of the water that Will was secretly number 12. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was number 12. And then in another scene, he asks number 17, but that's not in this episode. But okay. We'll talk See, I can't it. I can't figure you out because I watched this whole episode looking at stuff on shelves and hanging on walls. Because of what you asked me last week. So I'm like, I could tell you what's on the wall of every house and every place they went. What and, is, you know. and you know, I try to, I like, I try to not make them too hard where I try to find stuff where I'm like, oh, I feel like he would definitely listen to this yeah. or, or sorry, pay attention to this. Right. Yeah. No, I did. So, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're, those are, they're certainly good questions. It's just kind of funny. Cause I'm like, I'm watching the episode going, what would Whitney ask me about? Well, I saw, okay. So I saw the, the, um, REM was it REM poster mm-hmm. and then the Jamaica poster. Yep. And I was like, he'll know those, those are too easy. Yeah. But it was, so I was like trying to do something in the middle of what you would find and what you wouldn't. Yeah. 
I do want to mention before we get going that Nimrod Antal is the director of this episode mm-hmm. and the next episode. He's done a lot of stuff. He did Predators. He did the Metallica documentary and actually worked with the Duffers on Wayward Pines, which is, I'm sure, where they crossed paths for the first time. Okay. The the Duffers wrote a couple episodes, and including the season one episode called A Reckoning. They wrote it and Nimrod directed it. So I think that's kind of where they crossed paths. I so. knew his name. Yeah, he's done he's done some kind of random stuff, you know, what here a weird and there. Name. If you look it up. Yeah, I always thought like Nimrod is not not a great first name, but no. He's a he's a big dude, so I'm not gonna tell him that. No, no, we're not. <laughs> okay, so let's start in I'll just start in Lenora with the guys. Uh they have the the bleeding um Harmon in the back and he gives them the number and the pen and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Sullivan, meanwhile, is at the buyer's house and um is interrogating um agent wallace the argyle freaking out i thought was 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 pretty funny yeah and you know having to swerve off the road so we'll get to that in our in our tire peel outs and then we get to the scene where they're burying the body and will has his little moment of (sighs) it's also like okay that's fine we know that will's in love with mike that's fine whatever read the room buddy not the time, <laughs> not the time to have this conversation. Well, I mean, I love how he started it out as talking about, you know, Mike and L, and then he kind of kind of twisted it into being about him. <laughs> you know, it's just it's like, listen, Will, yeah, you're not the star of the show. Yeah. And, and overall, I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier. This is not one of my favorite episodes of the season. And I don't know. I have a question. Did the music with the California group throw you off? Did it seem like it didn't go all of a sudden? It was cute and it was very 80s-esque when they get the map out and they start looking for Susie's like town, which even as a child of the 80s, I do not know how they would have found where she lived. No, I don't. I don't. uh, Yeah, I don't either. Like, did they have a phone? Like a phone book was only for your town or like the surrounding yeah, area. They would have to be funny. in Salt Lake City looking up. They would have to know her last name. So maybe they were just driving and they knew she lived in Salt Lake City. So maybe they were just driving to Salt Lake City and then they were going to look her up. Yeah, could be. Okay. Yeah. But did you notice the music? Yeah, the War Games. It was part of the War Games score. Oh. Yeah. So there's actually two musical cues from War Games. We'll get to that in the music section, but I mean, it's obviously fitting because they're talking about the computer and the phone and, and, and okay. Will actually said, sounds like war games. Yes. So it is, it's, it's two little, two little quick hits from the war game score by Arthur B. Rubenstein. Okay. That definitely makes more sense. Cause I was like, where is this jaunty type of yeah. adventure music coming yeah. from? Cause yeah. it, it was cute and it was obviously very eighties, but I, it kind it was kind of jarring to yeah. hear that knowing what they were dealing with. Right. No, I agree. So yeah, I, I'm I, not a huge fan of this episode, and I think it has more to do with the writing than the episode because the direction I thought was good. I thought Nimrod did a good mm-hmm. job, and I thought the actors did a great job. And the reason I know that is because of, through all of Hopper's soliloquy, which goes for three and a half minutes, I timed it just for the heck of it. Well, I thought it was short. Yeah, three and a half minutes. So, but through all of it, there were like three or four points where I'm like. I'm not cursed. I am the curse. I am the curse. I knew exactly what he was going to say. Oh, he, yeah. But he still delivered it well enough that it mm-hmm. worked. 
So that just kind of led me to believe that the writing wasn't great, but the acting was great. And there were, there were a couple other times in there too, that I just, the writing just seemed really kind of cliched and kind of. Yeah. I, I wasn't so much the cliches or anything like that, that bothered me personally. And I mean, again, it's like what we say, if you're forcing us to tell you something that we don't like about the show, it just kind of was slow for me. Yeah, I agree. It didn't. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not full disclosure. I'm not super invested in the L storyline in the lab and Brenner. And I don't know if it's not, I'm not really bored by it. I'm just, I like the other stuff so much, you know, yes. I just, I yeah. wanted to get back to the Creel house. I wanted to get back to Hopper. I wanted to really wanted to get back to Joyce and Murray. Oh, um, see, no, I go like Creel house, California, 11 then hopper even though i love hopper yeah the the russian storyline does kind of drag a little bit for me yeah no i agree so but yeah i mean every season we're going to have a least favorite episode mm-hmm. and a favorite episode yeah. and this is also coming off the monster high of the last episode which was right. so good but yeah i mean I don't, I don't hate it but i just think that's probably my least favorite episode of the season so yeah. when we get there so okay so in california will and mike have their little thing and then argyle is doing the headstone <laughs> Thinks so do you that, want to write our names on the headstone? <laughs> and thinks that Argyle is a pretty common name. So that was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. Will, Mike, John. Sure. Those are common names, but you know, Argyle. You, are, you are hiding the body. So you don't really want to. <laughs> He's like, you want to mark the grave of the body we just hid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. How about the phone booth out in the middle of nowhere? I remember a lot from the eighties. I remember phone booths being everywhere. I don't remember them being out in the middle of the desert. They are often depicted to be in the middle of the desert know, though, right? in movies. Like true, if you think about like true romance, or not that it was in the middle of the desert, but I yeah. remember them finding a phone right. booth on the side of the road. And well, it's that that whole thing too with Hopper stopping on their way to see Terry Ives at a phone yeah. booth on the side of the road. Colin like, Frank. Well, okay. Uh, we did get an email from Amber, and I was going to bring it up anyway. But how they fixed the number, the the phone number, will in the episode when it first came out said the wrong number he didn't say the nine six eight six one six one six number uh-huh. and so the duffer brothers went back and fixed it and i actually saw i'll post it later in the season i'm not going to post it yet because there's some spoilery things in it but the but duffers did a sit down it was kind of showrunners interview it was a half an hour interview it was really good but mm-hmm. they talked about how they can fix things kind of on the fly so that episode came out they re-edited it and threw it back to netflix so it was up for a day oh they, and then yes. they fixed it and you know they did that on with a few things if right. you notice um and i believe it's with with 11 the younger version of and then they use marty blair the little actress who plays younger 11 yeah. her they kind of superimposed 11's face on hers and when i saw them i got a big notice saying you know visual effects are not done these are not for review yet. Like they're just for you to, you know, plan your coverage or whatever. And I noticed when that scene, when it showed little 11 and it was so bad. Oh, really? Like it just, it, well, okay. So it's not bad. It was just, it was, they weren't done yet yeah. because it looked so odd. Right. With how she was, it, it looked like that meme of like tall Keanu next to little Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it looks like that's, that's pretty funny <laughs> so yeah i think it's kind of cool that they can they can kind of edit on the fly and if something's fixed they can or broken well, they can fix it i assume so. they're going to be doing a lot of that because they you know they're like they said like there was a tweet from steven weintraub who runs collider who said the reason that we haven't gotten 
screeners is because they are literally still editing. Yeah. Like, well, I remember they were editing visual effects season three, I think right up in season two or three, right up until the end. Yeah. So that's wild to me. Okay. So let's go to the L storyline. So she wakes up in the car. It's 12 hours earlier. So it's Monday morning now. So they drove all night after their little diner meeting. I got a kick out of uh, Owens's line describing ICBM as a fancy bomb and that she was more powerful than a missile. Oh yeah. And that she's bigger than Madonna, which is, and I actually just kind of looked up when the Madonna timeline, where we are. Uh-huh. And two days after this in stranger things time live to tell was released. So it was Wednesday, the 26th of March, 1986 live to tell came out. And then her album true blue would actually come out in two months in May. So she so really, was kinda, this was probably the last time that Owens could say that she was bigger than Madonna. Yeah. So she was between like a virgin and true blue right at, the, at this point, but mm-hmm. very close to true blue coming out. So that was kind of interesting just to, just to look up. Then we see Brenner. Okay. Wait, I got a big problem with this. That man was attacked by a Demogorgon and a Demogorgon is 90% mouth teeth, and teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And you're telling me that he walked away with one scar on his face. That's it. Yep. He should have been missing a limb, an eyeball. The, the Duffers actually in that same interview talked about that and how they originally went to Matthew Modine and said, you're going to be like crazy disfigured. And was he like, no, I won't do it. And he's like, no. (laughs) (gasps) So Uh he was, he was not in favor of it, but yeah. So they, they, they compromised by just having the, the single scar oh my gosh yeah and then l goes into her little dreamland and i know everybody was freaking out at the time that she got her hair shaved again but rest assured she did not oh she didn't um i'll actually post a link there's a really cool um video of her and the whole makeup process with the bald cap and the makeup and it's really well done mm-hmm. i mean it is because it looks like she got her head shaved but she did not so she she does still have. i hair, will so. say that that i feel like that's when you notice the most how much she's aged yeah since season three yeah that's winter. crazy she's wearing that shaved like wig it's so funny because I, I just saw i just randomly saw some clips from season one about how young mike looked oh my how... gosh they don't mike doesn't look the same no like, he looks like a different person no it's so funny i mean dustin you can kind of see kind of getting a little older will well, you know but, but dustin had such a baby face i did. mean they all were just so they were just they were so sweet. But I mean, Mike, you could tell me Mike was a different actor and I believe you. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, same. It's, it's kind of funny. And then we get, well, well, look who's finally decided to join us. Oh. I loved that. I mean, what I said about this episode still stands, but I thought Antal did a fantastic job directing it because there's so many moments. There's at least two moments. One where she comes running into the room and the mirror is straight ahead of you and you should be seeing a camera in the mirror in front of you. But through the magic of filming, you don't see the... Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I love the um, reveal when she's standing there and there's nothing behind her and you see there's nothing behind her and then she just turns for a second and then all of a sudden he pops up kind of from behind her. Oh, yeah. It's really, really cool. I mean, there's some really neat, really neat camera stuff there. So kudos to, to Antal for that i also liked the uh the little mirror thing she did with marty when they were kind of both on the sides of the glass Mm -hmm. and 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 had to kind of mirror each other yeah i thought they both did a really good job of that which was which was kind of neat and then i have my note down here about the taffy (laughs) like Like, come on 
I'm like, like one piece one little piece of what i don't even know it was like orange well, looking i'm like and then, then the other the other time that he, you see this scene coming up in another episode he gives them one extra hour of time in the rainbow room right <laughs> i'm like what are they doing the rest of the day i mean i think if you keep your expectations low or something i don't know <laughs> really funny so then she kind of snaps out of it and sees the blood all over her hands which was just freaky mm-hmm. and gets defibrillated i thought the um as she was running away the last time and the camera kind of starts turning i thought it, it really it you know the camera just starts rotating mm-hmm. um kind of looking like she's going to the upside down but not quite it's just kind of the way the camera's moving that was that was that was really it weird. reminds me almost of hopper were they yeah or even later in the episode where they were the they, kids are in the, in the crowd attic. house yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's the same kind of thing it doesn't go all the way around but i thought it was a neat little camera move so how did you feel at the end when when she says papa and he says okay Brother. yes i'm glad you brought this up because i am torn do we think that she is just playing the long con and she's just going along for the ride because she knows she needs their powers back Surely she does not trust him. My take is, and just because of the resigned look on her face, is she's either giving up and saying, okay, let's do this. Or she is kind of starting to believe him and starting to trust him because she did have her powers back for that one little second when she blew the MPs away. Which I am still confused on what, and I'm I'm assuming we'll learn this eventually, what caused her to lose her powers? Was it because she lost her memory yeah well he says he says he says at the beginning when when he's walking down the stairs i know why you've lost your powers and i know how to get them back so i'm assuming since that's been thrown out there we might learn why she lost her powers other than just you know i'm assuming it has to do with her memory because that's why they're because he compares the you know the opera the nina right is it is that the name of it's Nina? Nina. It's just Nina. Yeah. Yep. He compares that to her situation. And in that story, the woman just refuses to face reality because she just keeps wanting her lover to return. Yeah, she she lost her lover and kind of went into like a kind of a psychotic slide. Yeah. And kept thinking, you know, kind of blocked it out and was yeah. waiting for him every day at the train station to come back. It does end happy. She does. He does actually come back. He was. Oh, only, he's not dead. He was not dead. He was only. Oh. I, I looked up the plot just for the heck of it. So, spoiler alert for those of you who wanted to see the 1745 <laughs> opera Nina, it, it works out, and he comes back. He was only wounded and was treated, and and eventually comes back, and they reunite, and she snaps out of it, and happily ever after. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. I would like to get to the bottom of that. So Joyce and Murray are on their way to Siberia, Russia, Kamchatka, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neck of the woods. I noticed Yuri's whole thing about peanut butter being banned. So I figured, well, that's something. I meant for, to look that up. That's something for Colin to look up. Turns out it was not banned per se, like officially, mm-hmm. but it was very, very hard to come by because of the Cold War and peanut butter being such a uniquely American thing. Uh-huh. There are very few countries in the world where you can go to and find peanut butter. It's just not a thing. Really? I mean, yeah. It's just not a, you know, outside of America. It's such a cheap, but like high protein food that yeah. is easy to. Like even in, even in England and, you know, people correct me if I'm wrong, but like even in England, I mean, it, you can get it, but it is not, 
Like it's and not people don't eat it like peanut butter and jelly like we do. Here. It's not a popular thing that it is here. Huh. No, no. All right. So I actually found a little article on that, so I can post a link to that too. Joyce with her line is black, not the highest color. <laughs> He's talking about which I thought karate. that too. <laughs> and, and and Jeremiah being almost 15. He's, no, he's going to be 16 next oh, 16. month. He's, he's going to be 16 yeah. next month. He's 15 mm-hmm. now. So, and then we get to the fingers like arrows, arms like iron, toes like spears. Feet are like spears. And that's actually a real thing. I'll actually post a link to that too. I, I looked it up and there is a karate sensei master guy who coined this saying um and it is a real thing it has been around for years and years and years well you uh, know that murray watched karate kid oh absolutely watch and that's kid. why he's doing this sweep the leg <laughs> so then they crash their plane and we'll they would not have survived there's no way they would have survived no the way no. the plane landed there is a chance had they landed that you know more yeah but it went nose first yeah they did and... have their seatbelts on so Oh, oh yes. That, that definitely protected them from the windows blowing in on them right. when they crashed. So let's go the rest of the way into Kamchatka. Hopper is being beaten up. I don't flinch often, but I flinched the entire time he's being dragged and his, the tops of his toes are being dragged along. the. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Makes me sick. It just looks so painful. I'm like, <gasps> oh, even like if it. it was like, I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, did did he have like little pads on his toes when they were filming it or something? Yeah, like little like pads on his toe knuckles. Or was it were they were they dragging him across like a like a mattress or something? Oh, I hate it. (laughs) But oh just the I mean, worse than getting beaten up, just getting the the tops of your toes skinned. I'm like Which were you kind of I don't know if discipline is the right word, but a little bit underwhelmed with hoppers tragic backstory i wasn't really underwhelmed by it i i was bothered by the writing of it i mentioned that already but i did like his delivery of it i i i did like that we got some context for sarah yes i did like that but i was also i don't know i just was expecting something a lot more yeah i I don't know yeah it kind of rang a, a little hollow and again i was tied up on the writing because it was like you know, it, it, I was it, kind of, it sounded like a Bruce Springsteen song. You know, I, I was drafted and had to go to Nam to fight the man. And then I was 8,000 miles and from home. And, I will know. say that I was not aware that Agent Orange, I knew that it caused issues with the people that were around it or in contact with it. I did not realize that it caused like issues with those people's children. Yeah, there's a, um, I, I looked up the chemical core just to see what they were about, if that was a real thing. And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I can actually post a link to that too. There was a, there's a whole bunch of studies that came out afterwards, like Veterans Affairs studies, where they did link Agent Orange exposure to you know like among these chemical corporate, not not people that were bombed with it, but you know people working with it, and and like all the the issues they had. There were all kinds of different issues in your cancers and and I knew of, that yeah, like I yeah. assumed it affected the people that were working with it or whatever, but I didn't yeah. realize that that could be passed down to like Sarah, right from him you know what i mean yeah no i hear you i think it's because i wanted it to have more of a supernatural background i wanted i was thinking i think i went in thinking that he had some sort of creepy experience as a child or something sure so i think that's i kind of had my expectations yeah i mean that's a little bit too high given this show sure yeah so my big 
question comes after his thing when Enzo hears the monster snarling and says, I've heard rumors about a monster. How could he be a guard in this prison and not know? I mean, how, how, how would he you... not know that there was a monster and that they kill prisoners every six weeks or whatever, however often they kill prisoners? I mean, that's how... a big thing in the prison. I mean, the prison isn't that big. Yeah. They have a gate and a court But also, why would at that point, would you even call it a rumor when you hear it? Yeah, well, true. <laughs> but beyond that, how would he have not seen it in action killing I mean, why would he not be telling Hopper, yeah, there's this monster and they bring the, the guys out every I don't know. two weeks and they eat them all up. And Because the one prisoner, which, sorry, it's next episode, I think, but the one prisoner is the one that tells them the story. Yeah. So how did the prisoner know, but yeah. not Dimitri? I don't Con- know. Continuity issues. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. right, let's go to Hawkins. Okay. So Eddie's eating SpaghettiOs which was almost my Colin moment because <laughs> I remember SpaghettiOs. We I never did, had SpaghettiOs. We did Chef Boyardee. Well, he opened it and poured it into the can. I'm like, I know exactly what that tastes like. <laughs> and I remember. Um, full disclosure, we still buy Chef Boyardee from time to time. I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's terrible for you, but it's pretty good. Just dump a bunch of salt and Parmesan cheese on it. Yeah. It's not terrible. All that, that fake meat no i wasn't i wasn't meatballs. i wasn't crinkling my nose when i said i remember what it tastes like but i could tell you exactly what it tastes like and mm-hmm. i probably haven't had it in 20 years but um i found like an old 80s commercial for spaghettios it's kind of funny the whole oh spaghettios bit. but they weren't chef boyardee right they were franco-american yeah yeah. yes they taste exactly the same yeah i feel like ted is back ted being very ted well you try sticking together at a different house someone it's just such a dad take us for all we're worth and i love how dustin called him on it. it's like thanks i will have a lot of pictures. thanks yeah, thanks appreciate it. can i get some for the road <laughs> so he's reading the newspaper the headline in the newspaper is spring break killer still yep. at large in the hawkins post so mm-hmm. that was good max was drawing nancy puts it all together as being the creel house Oh, actually, before that, they did mention very briefly that they needed to try Will, but he, they were kept getting the same busy signal because earlier in the episode, we saw his phone destroyed on the yes. when Sullivan walked in. So that's why they're getting the busy signal. Which Do was, you not? That doesn't alarm anyone? I Yeah, you would think as long as it had been going on, because it would have been since... You know, I mean, it's over 24 hours. The afternoon before. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're going on almost 24 hours. Yeah. Doing that. We do see Holly's light bright. So keep that in mind because that will obviously come back later on. And then Dustin talks about Freddy Krueger's boiler room and the whole thing with Holly, which I thought was. I think she's so cute too. She says, yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good. So the FBI shows up at Uncle Wayne's house, Eddie's uh, trailer. I love it. It's just a quick little scene. And I Uncle loved, Wayne had no problems. I love, yeah. I said ceiling leak, no argument. He didn't even, he didn't even. Said, uh, he just sighed. He just gave he like a sigh like, of just. But it wasn't even a, oh God. You know, it's just Mm-mm. like, okay. All right. All right. We're good. So then we get to Chrissy's funeral. Patrick sees the clock. And I've, I've decided I'm going to find that sound and make it my ringtone on my phone. The grandfather clock, the. Why would you do that? Oh, that's just, <laughs> I just love it. I think it's oh, one of my, it would scare me every one time. of my favorite sound cues in the whole series. <laughs> scare me so every time my phone rang or my alarm went off. So then we get Jason's list, which we talked about in the homework. So Paul Cook, I'm like, that was just too random a name to be there. He's actually, he was the drummer of the Sex Pistols, among other things. I mean, that's one Paul Cook. Oh. Um, I don't know if it was like a particular Paul. I don't know if like 
Kate Tree Fry is a Sex Pistols fan and wanted to put the Sex Pistols drummer's name on the list. I don't know. But we did mention the elementary school and the and the <laughs> they were gonna go check the, the closet. The A V closet. <laughs> like, okay. Why there? How fitting is it that Jason wears white socks with, with penny loafers? Just, was that a thing? I it's I, just well, I I just assumed because he was an athlete and did, probably didn't have dark socks. Oh yeah. It Maybe. was just, I just, they just made a point of, I mean, there was like a foot level shot that Antal did. Mean, he's such a good bully. He is. Love really to good. hate him. Yeah. We'll post, I'll post a link to your interview with him. Um, oh yeah. And I love it. Cause he did not, Mason Dye is the actor. And he, when I talked to him, he was worried that he didn't come off as intimidating or scary. Cause he was supposed to be this bully. And he said, he was kind of disappointed in himself and didn't think that he would be you know, intimidating or whatever. And he's like, then I watched it back and I was like, this guy is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So how long were they freaking hunting for Eddie at the house that it is now dark outside? I lost all track of time from the funeral to when they're hunting for Eddie, because I thought, I don't know. I thought when they were meeting and looking over the list that it was already nighttime. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but it, it was, wasn't. I, I assumed it was kind of early afternoon, maybe. But by the time I think they get it to, was dark wherever they were, it I mean, it like, was the sun was setting. It was, you know, it was it was kind of late afternoon, but the sun was still out and in the sky. And then when yeah. we go back, it is now pitch black dark. So they have to be yes. looking for at least two hours. And that house did not have that many hiding places. No, no. And they never even did check the boathouse. <laughs> no. Well, they after, did until after it got dark. Yeah. Yeah. After they saw Eddie, they saw something move. Yeah. And so then we get. Patrick getting vecnified. He is the one that I think looks the most cartoonish when. Yeah. I noticed that too. It wasn't, it wasn't as, as scary or, Mm -mm. as you know, no. And I don't know why. I don't know if his jaw was almost too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was the the jaw was a little weird. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And it looked, I mean, it just, yeah. And he didn't get the whole, eyes roll back in your head no, he, got, and... he did get the eyes but i think it was dark so he didn't really see it as well oh like, okay and um eddie falls in the lake so he is he's now underwater and we're left to be wondering where he is yeah i was gonna i'll wait till next episode because i do have a question about this whole scene but all right so let's back up to the creel house because that's where our, our favorite people are they go in and the and the lights kind of start flickering and, the, and Dustin's little quote, the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance observes from Hound of the Baskervilles, which was good. I liked it even more when Steve tried to repeat it. Oh, I know. Two minutes later. Poor dumb Steve. And then he gets the spider. I got to say, I love the tender little moment with, with Nancy and Steve and she's picking the cobwebs out of his hair. Yes, I know. And they're just setting this up. They're setting this up to be disappointed. I'll be happy. You'll be disappointed. I'll be disappointed because Jonathan can get Becknud for all I care. <laughs> Sorry to all you Jonathan fans. No, we were trying to, I was, we were, we were trying to kind of, kind of play Russian roulette on who is absolutely safe and who could die and who probably will die. And I'm like, as far as I know, the only people that are guaranteed safe are L and I got to go with Steve because of what Sean Levy said that he would leave the show if, if Steve dies. True. But that was also, that interview was like three years ago. I know. So but those are the only two that I think are guaranteed not to die. Oh, Joyce is not going to die. 
I'm just saying guarantee. I can't believe that they would not kill Elle because she's like the focus of the show. But I don't think they're going to kill any of the kids. I don't think so either. Holly's like, what about Erica? They can't kill Erica. I'm like, God, no, no they wouldn't kill Erica. No, they would never. <laughs> She's like the youngest kid. In the, I'm not going to kill yeah. the youngest. No, no, they won't kill Erica. And they, out, out of the, the group, out of the kids, I would say that Jonathan, not because he's, not because Charlie Heaton's a bad actor or anything. They just don't have a whole lot for him to do, it seems no. like. No, he's, he's fairly expendable. Yeah. Yeah. So not. where where are you with the Lucas and Max thing? Are you a are you a Lucas and is is there a ship name for them or are Lou you Max? Lou Max. Are you a Lou Maxer? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that is the one common ground that Filers and Malevins and Jancies and Joppers they all stand on. They're all like, but we must protect Lou Max. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, yeah I thought I, I, it was it was a great cute little scene, and we mentioned. I love them. Too. I want them to be together in real life that would that would be cute so then we get the the flip upside down which i loved with them standing there and then the camera flips and it and we see vecna uh looking like a chandelier himself which i thought was gonna right <laughs> it's a big vecna chandelier Why does he, in the still, he still has that real grinchy body yeah. when he, it looks like the grinch like he's got a little pooch in his belly yeah and he's very like boxy shaped but despite what he looks like were you kind of confused as to why he didn't have to leave his little spider web to kill patrick is he getting stronger maybe yeah i don't know i mean because he wasn't i mean he was around for chrissy obviously because he kind of pinned her against the door he wasn't really around in person for fred right i mean he was the you know kind of embodied by the people in the forest with the hand no remember he gets in the fred's in the pit you remember he falls in the oh, that's right yeah he does do that but like you when he the- actually when he goes like up into the sky Vecna's not like doing that but he was in the pit you're right so but Vecna wasn't doing that to Chrissy no but Chrissy was in the trailer with her I mean Vecna was in the trailer with Chrissy and kind of pinned her against the door and he was right, right in Fred's face he put his hand up over his over his face oh that's true and that's and that's when he shot up into the sky yeah. you're right okay I get what yeah. you're saying yep yeah so oh, I don't just, know yeah yeah, because we were we were seeing Fred as somebody standing on the street that night would have seen Fred. Yes, and then like it would flash back to right. to Lowe and Riley Bruder's yep. scene. And he I got you. Be. Okay. Do you find it odd that Vecna's so powerful, but he himself doesn't like he doesn't know when the kids are there? Like he he couldn't like break he through. Couldn't, couldn't sense that or something or yeah, because yeah. they're like following him around with their flashlights. Yeah. Which I kind of found, but I did know, you know, when he kills Patrick is when all the light bulbs burst. So it's like he got like a rush of energy. Right. So I'm trying to think if if there were lights exploding when he killed Fred or Chrissy. Well, Fred was out in the middle of the woods, so there wouldn't be any lights. There. Right. But I didn't know if if it was somewhere like someone nearby. Noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Been. Yeah. It's kind of like the power surge or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I did. I did think that when they were in the house of them, like, how is he not sensing that they are literally yeah. right where he's standing? Yeah, I thought it was strange. Okay, so let's get into the segments. Okay, you wanna? Do you wanna go to the movies? We should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. Let's go to the movies. We'll do this quick. And we were we were talking about this too that the, yeah. the movie references are very blatant. There's not. There's not like there's not like little things that we're educating the general public on. Mm-mm. Like, oh, did you notice? 
because no. they mentioned war games they mentioned never-ending story they mentioned nightmare on elm street the the goonies was very obvious with the piano and lucas and the and playing the piano and do you think they'll you know mm-hmm. so that was very goonies and then the only other one i had was apocalypse now with the ride of the valkyries when yuri is starting his plane he's humming the ride of the valkyries and then when hopper's giving his monologue and he says the horror that's straight out of apocalypse yeah. now i had just when uh brenner lines all the kids up before they go into the room to practice their brain skills or whatever yes they uh it reminded me of full metal jacket when they're checking the barracks ah. in full metal. I, I don't know if that's starring matthew modine yes so. yeah 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 so that's why it made me think of that yes yeah, but... tire peel outs this is kind okay. of funny actually all right so the car when when at the very beginning when they're in the surfer boy pizza van and the car is behind them and they tell get off the road the mm-hmm. car behind them they're in the van and the car behind them still makes like a break, you know, screeching around a corner sound. Obviously, when Argyle goes flying off the road, he his car tire peeling and well, he and, would have tipped that van. Yes. <laughs> yes. When Owens and uh, L come into the bunker, drive up to the bunker, the car's brakes squeal. Oh, then, okay. when the, then when the car leaves, the, the it makes more noise. I did. I got a kick out of it. I thought it was so funny. I thought, oh, I found it so funny. When the FBI shows up at Uncle Wayne's trailer, no sounds. It drives in, it crinkles on the gravel, it parks, and they get out. There's no brake squeal. There's no tire squeal. There's no slamming the brakes. There's no nothing. It just drives in like a normal car. I think it might be the first time in the whole series that a car has moved and stopped making only normal it's the slowest people in Hawkins. It's just so funny. <laughs> Obviously, when Argyle and the team pull up to the phone booth, he almost <laughs> flips yep. the thing over like a Suzuki Samurai. And then Jason, when his crew and they arrive at the at the Reefer Rick's place, they have like the brake squeals and all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's just kind of funny. I remember talking like midway through season three. We should do a whole segment on the title. Yeah. Outs. And now we, look where we are. Do you think there are enough? I'm like, yeah, there's plenty. There's enough, Whitney. So, Colin moment. Do it. This one's kind of weird. Okay. <laughs> but it, All right, not, I'm ready. I wasn't like struggling. I wasn't like, I got to find something for it. Really, <laughs> it really resounded with me when Max is listening to Running Up That Hill with Lucas in the house and it stops and she has to rewind it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that was just, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to. It was just normal life at that point. But yeah, having to rewind tapes to listen to songs and fast forward to get to the right song and then rewind to get back to the, oh my Lord. I, just... Yeah, I can't, I, I didn't listen to music on a Walkman that much, but I can feel your pain with, you know, VHS cassettes. Yeah. I hated Same the thing. weight. It yeah. felt like forever. Yeah. But I mean, God forbid you're listening to, you know, you know, synchronicity or something and you don't like wrapped around your finger. So you want to fast forward through it, but you can't really, you have no idea where the song ends. Oh gosh. Like, no. yeah. I, that, and for someone like me who typically doesn't like entire albums by an artist. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Right. So I remember, <laughs> this is such a Colin story. <laughs> so, 
So there was a the movie Back to School, the Rodney Dangerfield movie yes. from 1986. Mm -hmm. So it came out I, again. I was you know 15 at the time, so I'm the same age as these kids. So they could have seen Back to School when it came out, and I think in the summer of '86. So there was a song on there called Back to School by Jude Cole. And I love the song and I'll, I'll post it. I'm sure it's up on the, it's, it's not on Spotify, but I think I'm, I'm sure I can find a YouTube video for it. And I could not figure out the lyrics to the song. And it's like my life's mission to like, if I like a song to figure out the lyrics. So there was yes. one spot in the song and I couldn't figure it out. So I would listen to it, hit rewind, listen to it, hit rewind. And I did it so much that I, I broke the tape because you're, you know, you know, all the cap stands and the, and the things have to, the heads have to hit the tape. Yeah. And you're, you just crinkle the tape and eventually it just disintegrates. So I remember my mom and I went to the music land in the mall and said, he had this, I had this cassette and it broke. Can we get it in? So I, so I got a new, I got a replacement back to school soundtrack. Uh-uh. And it wasn't until, and I completely forgot about it. I just gave up on it because I couldn't figure out the lyrics. And I, you know, years later when the internet came out and stuff, it was like one of the first things they ever did is like, give me the lyrics to back to school. What is it? <laughs> so I could figure out. Well. It goes, I'll be there when you're getting it right. That's the beauty of living my life. Hold on, baby. I'm taking you back to school. The next verse was. And I could not figure out the when logic fails, don't lose your head. And it was driving me. I mean, now that I know it's when logic fails, don't lose your head. But I'm like, what on earth are they singing? Is it like, and I, I literally, I broke the tape. Like, I, I know you well enough to know how your brain works. So I can just imagine. Yeah. The, the just general frustration <laughs> driving <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> I was like, it's like, well, not too fast. Is it not too fast? Is when not what? too fast? Don't lose. No, when logic, when they, I would have never gotten when logic fails. I would. Did they never. not include the lyrics in no. the set? No, oh, and that's the other thing. That could also be a Colin moment because, like, only half of the tapes that came out had the lyrics inside. Oh man, that was when you struck gold. I mean, a lot because I got them from as the aforementioned Columbia House Record yes. Tape Club, <laughs> and they never had the lyrics. But I mean, even you know. When you open up a cassette and it had the lyrics in it, you're like, oh. yes, it's like finding the golden ticket. It was like, mm -hmm. you're like, thank God it's here. I, I don't have to struggle. So there's your Colin moment. Excellent. Okay. A couple locations. Again, I'm not going to quiz you, but let's play. Where in the world is. Okay. So the only real location they mentioned was St. Mary's hospital. Uh, at the beginning, they said, we have to go to St. Mary's. I just did a little research just to see if it was a thing. There is in Atlanta, in the surrounding Atlanta area, St. Mary's Healthcare is like the big healthcare system. There's like St. Mary's Hospital and mm -hmm. blah, 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 you know, all kinds of stuff. So they may have pulled it from that. They may have just said, St. Mary's sounds like a good name of a hospital. I don't know. But then I also just did a little bit more digging and I did St. Mary's North Carolina. And it turns out in Raleigh, there's a St. Mary's School, which is an all girls high school in raleigh north carolina so i just wonder if maybe the duffer brothers had a little thing for the girls at oh. st mary's because that's the next town over in raleigh from durham and you know could have been you know maybe they had yeah. the hots for a girl at st mary's or st mary's was like the castle on the hill and who you know i just thought it's st mary's st <laughs> mary's another thing that i thought was interesting i was just watching it again yesterday and uh, just out of curiosity. So when the Scoops Troop arrives at the Creel House and get out of the car, you see across the street is the playground. Yes. Which is um, a strange place for a playground, no? 
Well, yes, because it's not really there. So I went to Google Maps and did like a street view and across the street from the Creole house is a house and a driveway and a car. In the Wait, driveway. that was like superimposed. So it must have been some kind of, yeah, movie magic of some kind. I don't know if they kind of, you know, did a green screen and and put the playground there or composited it in or something. But there is, I'll, I can take a picture of what it looks like across the street on Google Maps. And, okay, that's and, a lot of effort for something that right? supposedly doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in a bit. But one of one of our listeners or listeners wrote in and said, I just thought it was really creepy how there was that playground right across the street. It's the one that we saw with the rocket. Yeah. We talked about the rocket thing. So yeah, I just happened to look and I'm like, there's a house there and a driveway. It's not like, you know, and it's an older house. It's not like it's a new house. That, yeah. Yeah. So hmm. strange. Okay. Any little things? Wait, did, did you see something? Yeah. What, what, did, what did you see? Uh, no, not really this week. I didn't really know. I mean, it's not even really a little thing. You know, they, they make a point to, show will like gazing at mike when mm. they're shoveling yeah. and i think that there you know there's that scene where he's confessing or not confessing but he's talking about how hard it is to tell to be vulnerable with someone and you can look at it two different ways i took it like mike's reaction to that if you notice he's looking at him and then he gets this look on his face and he looks away and to me that seems like He's like, oh, crap, I figured it out. My best friend's in love with me. Yeah, could be. You know, but then other people will think that it's because he realizes that he's gay. But I noticed that as like a little thing, like yeah. he just Finn's reaction. No, I agree. Yeah, certainly. I wrote down uh, when they were trying to get the uh, Harmon to write down the number. It was a High Times magazine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Has it been around that long? I don't know. I, I didn't look that up, actually, but I just thought it was funny. I assume it has oh. been around that long. So you mentioned oh. the Jamaica poster. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting, quick little thing um, that may have been not scripted. And that was when Owens first takes Elle into um, or is getting ready to take her in and the elevator opens. And he basically she gets she starts to walk on. He goes, oops, just kind of hold on for a second. It was just kind of a just kind of a little. Oh, quick, yeah. A little quick thing. He's like, oops, yeah. Wait which I thought was kind of neat. And then I th- another thing I thought might not have been scripted was when Dustin and Steve are in the Creel house and they pair off and Steve sighs and Dustin calls him on it. Yeah. Like, was that a sigh? I-, I could totally see that not being scripted and Dustin and their Gaten in the moment just saying, was that a sigh? And they kind of did a little scene. So maybe I could see that. I thought it was also very funny at the end of Murray beating up Yuri that the gong sounded. <laughs> Yes. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's knocked the guy out. Now they're all alone. We have to fight him. The, boom, yeah. the dog sounds. I also caught, I don't know if you noticed it, when Elle was in the rainbow room and she was up on the uh, chair looking at the camera and then she came back down, you could see the scar on her leg from when the... Um, oh, I didn't. The yeah, there's a little scar her. on her ankle, like where the demo worm was in, at the end of season three huh. when they were in the mall. And then um, one of our listeners wrote in, Sherry, and she thought, and I never even caught this, but she mentioned for one of her little things, Robin's sleeping face at the beginning when they're down in the basement and Nancy wakes up and sees that Max isn't there and she wakes up Dustin. Mm-hmm. So it starts on the couch and then it kind of slowly zooms out and you see everybody sleeping. Take a look at it again. It's really funny. Robin is like smushed kind of against the pillow. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just the most most unattractive most, like, face and like her lips very like, robin it's kind of lips it's so <laughs> sherry pointed out i didn't even notice it she pointed it out and i went back to look and i'm like oh my god that is hilarious yeah if you look at it so okay let's talk some music only one real song like played but i do want to mention ride of the valkyries which Yuri was singing as he was getting his plane started. So that's part of uh, Wagner's ring cycle, very famously used in Apocalypse Now, which you mentioned, um, came out in 1870. And I'll, I'll actually post a link to the Apocalypse Now scene because it's just so historic. It's just such a great, da, 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 love it. The song, the, the pop song that we hear is Traveling Man by Ricky Nelson, which came out in April of 1961. I'm a traveling man, made a lot reached number one on the charts and this was a moment i really liked the editing of it because it was playing and playing and then it goes to the guys and the fishing guys and it turns out it's the song they're listening to on the radio in their boat so that That threw me off so the audio kind of dissolves into making it you know Mm -hmm. be the song on the radio which i thought was really cool sound editing so i thought that was kind of neat one thing I found this on Tune Find actually, which I check periodically just to see if I'm missing anything. So when Hopper was giving his monologue, the music playing under it was from the end credits to The Hitcher. Remember that Rutger Hauer movie? Uh huh. And I listened. And I'm like, is it really that, or does it really sound? And it really is that song. So, don't know why, but it's playing there. And then we mentioned War Games, so. The song that they use, the the song when they were Jonathan, Mike, and Will and Argyle are in the back of the van and the map and Susie and all that stuff. So it's called David Searches. Came uh, came out in 1983 with War Games. It was by Arthur B. Rubenstein. So that's what you were talking about, how this, this jaunty little music sounded mm-hmm. a little bit weird. And then the uh, episode ends with a selection from the opera Nina. So, and we already talked about that. So a couple emails that I want to get through. The first one, one of our listeners, Karen wrote in and her daughter, coincidentally enough, named Evie, wrote right. in. And so Karen said, we, we both listened to your podcast and Evie really wanted to write to you guys. So she has my permission. So here's what she wrote. So she says, hi, my name is Evie and I'm nine years old. Your podcast is amazing, and so are you guys. I'm a really big fan of 80s music, but I don't know a lot about the 80s. You guys really helped me explore how it was back then. Good. My favorite song is Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Do you guys have a favorite song from the 80s? If so, what is it? You guys are really great, and I'm happy I found this podcast. So, favorite 80s song, go. Evie, I'm so excited that you wrote into us. This makes me so happy, and you should know, if you don't know, that my daughter is named Evie. She's Evelyn Rose. We call her Evie. She's 16. But you want to know my favorite 80s song? And it is actually, I think it's from 1981. So I was only one when it came out, but it's my favorite song now. It is Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. Really? Yep. I would have never picked that in a million years. Really? For you. I'm yeah. not a huge oh. fan of the song, but. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Love it. It's hands down my favorite 80s wow. song. Mine is, and I'm not making this up because Whitney can attest my favorite song evie from the 80s is summer of 69 by brown adams yes it is i've known this for years it's it's just like super peppy super just getting a good mood 
go out driving, have a good time. If you're feeling lousy, play it and just love the song. So yes. Well, I'm so glad you love this podcast. It makes me so happy. Yes. Thank you, Evie. I appreciate it. And thank you, Karen, for letting Evie write this and keep it up. Got another email from Jason. He says, happy Stranger Things final two episodes week because volume two premieres tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you both. Do you have any rituals or traditions while watching Stranger Things episodes for the first time? Well, so this last time it was a little bit different because it's the first time I actually got screeners for the show. So I kind of, I think I said this before, but I kind of was a little bit sad that I didn't get to stay up and like experience the excitement of everybody watching it at once. But this time and for season three, my daughter and I, Evie, we get up at, we're on the East coast. So it doesn't drop until 3am. So we, I take the day off work. She's it's, you know, the last one was in the summer. We set our alarms and we get up in our pajamas and press play right at 3am. And that's what we plan on doing this time. I'm not that crazy. Um, I don't, I don't really have any rituals, but I do, I I will watch it, you know, as soon as I get up. So probably around seven, I will start watching it. I I also take the day off from work. (laughs) My colleagues know that there are are, (laughs) two days this year. I was definitely not coming into work and they were May 27th and July 1st. I don't really have any ritual, but I do just kind of let myself go and watch them. So I'm not looking for Colin moments. I'm not looking for best lines. I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I just sit and kind of let everything go and just watch. So I'm not taking notes or anything like that. I just want to sit and watch and experience. So that's the closest thing I have to a ritual, but Mm -hmm. good question, Jason. Thanks for writing in. Last email is from Sherry, um, who often writes us with her superlatives. So she said, she just wanted to comment in the scene where Nancy and Dustin find Max in the Wheeler's kitchen. It really struck me how sad and isolating Max's home life has been. Karen is happy. All the kids are still hanging out together and everyone has made a big breakfast for everyone. Compare this to the earlier scenes of Max in her trailer the night Chrissy dies. Her mom is there, but passed out on the couch between working two jobs and drinking. She's not even present when she's there. When Max opens the fridge to feed the dog, there's barely any food there. It just kind of broke my heart how really on her own Max has been. So absolutely. And, you know, pointing it out makes it even more obvious, but yeah, it's just, it's such a great contrast. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, and I don't feel like Max has ever had a great home life. I, you know, in season two, we, we find out that she misses her dad a lot and that, you know, her mom moved them away from her dad. And I can't remember if she said her dad just didn't really care. didn't put up a fight for the, for her to stay, but yeah, it was, she has, she has not had a good childhood. So no, I've, I do feel really sorry for Max. And then Sherry also wrote also, this is the second time that Steve could have told someone else about Robin being gay, but didn't good for you, Steve. And I echo that superlatives. This one was hard. It was there. were Yeah. Spirited was a little bit hard for me, but you know, I, I got stranger things. I got MVP. MVP was a little hard. MVP was hard for me. So my best line, we can start there was right before I mentioned the Dustin and Steve with the sigh. It was right before that, when Steve was asking about the flashlights. What happened when we get those? Do you need to be told everything? You're not a child. Thank you. And uh, Jason actually wrote in that that was also his favorite line. Sherry wrote in, um, she really liked 
when they come up to the Wheeler's kitchen and Max is saying something along the lines of, you know, Holly and I have been having a good time, haven't we? And Holly goes, mm-hmm, without even looking up what Max says, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about mm-hmm. it. And then she also mentioned the Joyce's line about is black, not the highest color, which, which I thought was good. I actually went with uh, Robin when it, it's just like, it could have even been a little thing when Steve asked Nancy, maybe they could all go out sometime. It's not like we're dating. I mean, Robin, me and Robin. It's not like we're dating. Right? She told that Robin? Yes. No, we're not. She made that very clear. Platonic with a capital P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Evie actually wrote in her favorite was when Argyle was in the desert and trying to put together the headstone. And, and so yes. this, is, this is what he says. Hey, does anybody know the dead dude's name? What? The dead dude. I'm making him a headstone. And you do realize we spent all morning hiding the body. Well, I'll, I'll just write, uh, here lies unknown hero agent man. Yeah, saved. Argyle, Jonathan, Will, and Mike from certain death. You're gonna write our names on the pizza box. They're pretty common names. Thank you again, everybody, for writing in those. Most spirited, what did you What did you have for that? Again, it's not great, but I went with Karen's outfit. It Karen... was a It was a great outfit, and she still got the hair, so. Yeah, she is. Yeah, it was like some kind of, it was like a parachute pant kind of sweatsuit combo thing or i feel like i had one probably (laughs) as a little girl i feel like i wore one uh i went with dustin's ghostbuster button on his backpack when the backpack clunks on the floor in the creel house you see the i've been slimed oh yes that was in the creel house trailer yep and then jason wrote in his most 80s thing or spirited thing was just the fact that murray learned karate because that was such an 80s thing kind of in the wake of the karate kid everybody like karate was so popular it came out so he thought it was very 80s that that marie had learned karate stranger thing okay this is you're gonna make fun of me i won't make fun of you but it's when that spider is crawling on steve's shoulder (laughs) (laughs) it's so close and it's a black widow yeah like the and he knew it was a black widow which is even yeah it got so so close to his hair yeah Sherry said, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, she didn't even notice it until the second time viewing it, but the abandoned playground in front of the Creel house, which mm-hmm. wasn't really there, but, but it was there. <laughs> but it so, is there. Yeah. Evie picked the Creel house for hers. Jason picked Patrick's death uh, as his stranger thing. And I went with when Elle was having her little flashback and she, and she had the bloody hands. She kind of mm, pulled it because yeah. everything was just all kind of weird and what's going on and then bloody hands. So that was, that's what I went with. Okay. Okay, hardest one, MVP. This, I, I'm not real, I don't love my decision. I'm just going to say that. But I went with Nancy and her just intuition to fold those papers so randomly that they created a house. She's, she's got a little will in her or the, or the ability to make, because Will did I, all the vine drawings. And, yeah. So Bob well, it was more Joyce. The, yeah, Joyce. Joyce and, like put and them together. Joyce and Bob coming together to figure out what it was and everything. Yeah, it was so, very reminiscent yeah. of season two. But yes, I gave it to Nancy. Jason and Sherry both picked David Harbour for his uh, monologue about, you know, his whole history with, you know, Agent Orange and, and Sarah and all that stuff. I went with Millie Bobby Brown just on, on an actor perspective. I thought it was a great performance. I thought, especially the last, what, 30 seconds when she's like, get away from me. And then you can just see on her face that she's like resigning herself to the fact that this is kind of where she needs to be and that he might actually be able to help her. And it's just, yeah, that's just a great performance. I thought she did. Yeah. She did. She did great work. She did. So. It's hard to not give it 
to really this season it's been hard to not give it to millie or sadie sink almost every episode right yeah all right i think that does it volume two comes out tomorrow oh my gosh i'm ready my body is ready so we will do a kind of a first reactions uh video or our podcast sometime probably on saturday by the time we can process it and get through it and get it edited Mm -hmm. and get it out so look for that and then we will resume next week so we'll be talking about episodes six and seven while we've already seen eight and nine but we'll yes we'll make it work to them we'll get to them yeah so you can always follow us on social we are at scoops holy pod we would love it if you subscribe to our podcast on apple itunes maybe leave us a review because that helps us get in front of other listeners like yourself and if you have any superlatives that you want to send in or just comments or questions for us, like Evie did, uh, you can email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com. And, so, oh, wait, and th- I do want to yes. say thanks to everybody who did, because last week's yes. episode, I said, try to get him in by noon on Tuesday. That was uh, super helpful this week because we could actually get through them and kind of organize them and get them in the episode. So keep that yes. up. Tuesday noon is kind of the cutoff for Perfect. emails and we appreciate it. Yes. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.